0: A mess here uh, during last Wednesday night, so we thought it'd be better not to try to negotiate the uh, the construction. And uh, so uh, we are looking at the very last verses, actually the conclusion of uh, Peter's second epistle. And if the Lord doesn't come back before we're finished, uh, this will be our last study in First Pe- or Second First and Second Peter, uh, which we actually began about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, uh, when there was a great concern about the pandemic, and uh, we were just uh, putting this uh, study to begin with on our website, and uh, so uh, we just kept on going from there, and we've come to this last portion of Second Peter, Chapter Three. And we have noted there are four commandments we are to be following in light of Christ's return. Now, uh, we looked last time at the command to be restful. Sometimes it's hard to be restful uh, when things are in an uproar. Maybe they're chaotic within our own lives, our personal lives, or they're in our families, or in our communities, or in our nation. You know, we need a lot of rest at this time. But uh, we as believers certainly need to be at rest, even though much of the world is not at rest. And in being restful, we need to be looking. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Uh, We need to be looking for the return of Christ. Now, we're looking for the rapture to take place, because that's what's going to happen first. And then the tribulation, and then the thousand years. You know, Christ is going to come back. We're, we're going to be with him. We're going to come back with him uh, when he comes back to rule and reign for a thousand years. Well, but we need to be looking. Well, are we looking for his uh, thousand-year reign? And that's kind of the long-range look. Uh, but the short-range look is to look uh, and be watchful that he's going to come in those clouds and take us up, and we're going to meet him in the air, and we're going to be with him. So we need to be looking. Secondly, we need to be diligent. Uh, he says there, uh, Be diligent that you may be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. Uh, the best way to have peace and rest is to be without spot and blameless, to live holy lives. And so we are commanded to be restful. Uh, secondly, we are commanded to be hopeful. And in being hopeful, we need to be patient. Say, when's the Lord going to come back? We're looking for Him. We're, uh, we're waiting for Him. I wish He'd come back sooner than later because of what's going on in our world today. But we need to be patient. He's going to come at the right time in His time It says there, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. God is long-suffering. Our Lord is long-suffering. He's patient, so we need to be patient. And then secondly, be loving. Uh, Peter says, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Uh, It's a wonderful thing that Peter and Paul finally got together on the same page, and uh, uh, he shows love toward Paul. They had some disagreements, and uh, yet uh, uh, Peter is expressing his love for his brother in the Lord, uh, the Apostle Paul. And then we need to be understanding, uh, because uh, he says there, um, as well as also in his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to be understood. Well, uh, there are some things that Paul wrote that we just don't, right off the bat, understand them. They kind of are hard to understand, and so uh, he wrote some things, and Peter says, yes, they're hard to understand, but we need to be understanding. We need to, to get the understanding. The way we do that is to be studious, Says which they ha- that unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle with, as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction, and so uh, there are those who are not studying God's word; they're studying philosophy and psychology and all kinds of other man-made uh, thinking, and uh, so they're not understanding what Paul's saying, not what understanding what Peter's saying, and we need to be studious of God's word and understand these things uh, uh, that are being said. So those are the first two commands which we looked at. We've just reviewed them briefly here. We come to the third command, and that's the command to be watchful. It's very similar to the first command of being uh, restful and looking. But in verse 17, he says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before... Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now, the first thing he's telling us is we need to be knowing. Well, of course, that's part of being studious, but uh, uh, he says, knowing, seeing, that, uh, seeing ye know these things, uh, beloved, seeing that ye know these things before. Uh, these Christians had been given information about and uh, been warned about false teachers. That's one of the themes of Second Peter, is to warn his readers and those he was speaking to uh, about the false teachers and how they, are, uh, they would act in a certain way and how uh, we as Christians are to respond to false teachers. You know, we've been given God's word concerning the last days, And we must not hide our heads in the sand, so to speak, uh, and think things aren't as bad or that Christ hasn't come yet, so we have nothing to worry about. We must live to please him in these last days. Because if we have studied and read the scriptures, we know what he said about these things. say, I don't know. Well, maybe you haven't spent enough time in the scriptures. Maybe you haven't studied studied enough. That's what he's telling us to be sure to do, to be knowing. Secondly, to be aware. Beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now Christians are to guard themselves. We're to be on alert for false teachers. You know how you're on alert for false teaching? You know the truth of God's Word. And you'll recognize the false teachers and their false teaching. We need to be grounded well enough in the Bible that we can spot a false teacher. You know, as Christians, we need to check out everything we hear on the basis of the Word of God. By the way, that's a good thing to do with this preacher as well. You know, if this preacher says something, make sure that's what the Bible says. Now, I'm doing my best to do that, to give you what God's Word says. But uh, you just don't say, well, Pastor Fleming said it, it must be true. No, that's like saying the internet said it, so it must be true, you know. Uh, No, I'm trying to be faithful to the Word of God, Uh, but again, I'm a man, and uh, I I can miss something, and if every one of us are looking at what God's Word says, we're checking it out, Uh, we're uh, studying the word of God, we'll be able to spot the false teaching. And so we're to avoid false teachers like the plague. If we keep too close of company, we'll be led astray, not only doctrinally, but morally. You know, the false teachers really have not only a doctrinal problem, but many of them have a real moral problem. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Uh, Jesus answered them and began to say, take heed lest any man deceive you in Mark 13 and verse 9. In Mark 13, verse 33, he says, take ye heed. It's a warning. And if we do not guard ourselves from the false teachers and the false teaching, they will, uh, we will fall into a weak doctrinal position, or it may mean that without continuance in doctrine, a professing Christian may even fall away. I say a professing Christian, someone who says they're a Christian. And if they're not, uh, they're easily led astray, they'll fall into apostasy. Uh, Whatever view is accepted, they both end up with a person making a shipwreck of their faith. Then there's a fourth command. Oops, I forgot to give you the second one there. There are the the references. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Mark 13.9, and Mark 13.33. The fourth command is to be fruitful. Fruitful. Here we are in verse 18. I think one of the greatest verses in 2 Peter, verse chapter 3. He says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be glory both now and forever, amen. We're to be growing in grace. Uh, a Christian is commanded to be constantly, continually growing. You don't get to the point in some time in your life when you get old like me and say, Well, I've I've made it. You know, I, I've learned everything there is to lo- learn. Well, then you don't realize how much there is to learn, because there's so much more that uh, we will never learn, but we need to continue to grow. Uh, Our lives as Christians need to be more knowledgeable, wiser, and closer to God now than we have a year ago. Uh, Christians are saved by God's grace, and we're to bask in God's grace as Christians, We're not to get bogged down with legalism or judgmental attitudes or harsh spirits, critical attitudes, negative thoughts. Those things can really get us down as a Christian, get us off course. But we're to flourish in an ever-growing awareness of God's love and forgiveness and encouragement and confidence and assurance. You see, God is a gracious God. He always deals with His people in grace. Uh, The more we grow in God's grace, and I should say, not in fear, but in grace. So many people are fearful today. Don't be fearful, but grow in grace. And uh, the more gracious we will become as God's uh, people. And it's impossible not to grow in an environment of God's grace. So be growing in grace, and then secondly, be growing in knowledge. He goes on to say, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're commanded to be constantly growing in the knowledge of Christ and about Christ. Now, this knowledge, it may be facts, you know, the truth. God's Word is truth. It's absolute truth. It's it's not, well... Maybe it's true and maybe it's not. There are some people who believe that. No, there are some absolutes, and we have some absolutes right here in this book. This knowledge that is to be experienced. In other words, we're to believe it. We're to take it by faith. Peter in no way shies away from knowledge because faith without knowledge always degenerates into pure emotional religion. Maybe you know someone that's involved in an emotional religion. Everything's just, you know, an experience. You should have been there. The Holy Spirit was coming down and we really felt His presence. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. It may have been a spirit, but it may not have been the Holy Spirit. So many people are involved in an emotional uh, religion, and yet pure knowledge without faith degenerates into dead, cold orthodoxy. You know, we need to have some emotion about our faith. It's not that we just get all excited and jump up and down and run around the the, the room and say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But we don't just sit like a lump on a log and say, you know, okay, we're going to church. I did my duty today. I'm going to go home. And I'll come back again you know, you know, that becomes cold, dead orthodoxy. It's just, you may have the right church, you may have the right uh, doctrines, but it's cold, it's dead, because there's no faith with that knowledge. Knowledge about Christ, or doctrine, and knowledge of, of Christ, that is, doctrine applied by faith, are the surest safeguards against heresy and apostasy. The apostle Peter began this letter stressing the importance of knowledge. If we go back to chapter 1 of 2 Peter, in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord. And then in verse 5, it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and so forth. So now he closes this letter with knowledge, but never, 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 never say that doctrine is unimportant. I was visiting with a owner of a grocery store in the town, a little town that I first pastored. And, uh, he asked what church I was, uh, with. And I said, well, I'm the Bible Baptist church here in Syracuse, America, and, uh, he said, well, you're, you're pretty concerned about doctrine, aren't you? He says, at our church, we don't, have, we don't worry about doctrine. You know, and then he, he's working there, and he's, he's by the ice cream. Now, that's, you know, that'll get me excited, you know. Even, I'll get emotional about that. But uh, he's by the ice cream. He says, you know, it's really like this ice cream. Some like chocolate, some like vanilla, some like strawberry, some like this kind, that kind. It's all ice cream. It doesn't matter which one. And that's the way he was thinking. You know, what we need to do, he was saying, was just love God and love one another. Doctrine's not important. Well, I beg to differ. It is important. And don't ever say that doctrine is tedious or boring. You know, if you do, you may well become an open target then for false teaching. I want you to notice carefully how Peter stresses growth here. Uh, The Christian life is kind of like riding a bicycle. Unless we keep moving, we fall off, right? That's kind of the way... (laughs) My, I don't dare get on a bike anymore. I haven't got the balance for it anymore. I think a few years ago I, I tried that at my grandkids' house, and that was, that was an adventure. But, you know, if you ride a bicycle, if you don't keep moving, you can't just stop, you know, unless you put your feet down. But if you just stop, you're going to fall off. And those who keep gaining knowledge and keep exercising faith will keep growing spiritually, and you'll be victorious. Is it true that this life is a rat race? And it seems like the rats are winning? You know, from a human viewpoint, it looks like the rats are winning. But from a divine viewpoint, you and I are winning as believers. How do we know? Well, it's in God's Word, the Bible. God's working all things together for good uh, for those who are His and then also for the return of His dear Son, Jesus Christ, and for His glorious ends. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, tells us that Jesus will be victorious. We know the end of the story. He will overcome and all those who own Him as Savior and Lord will overcome with Him. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So, we need to be growing in grace. We need to be growing in knowledge. And thirdly, be giving God glory. It says at the end there, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So be it. Now, glory is ascribed to Christ who is full deity. He is God. And this glory is to be given to Christ now and right now on through to the day of eternity when God will establish the new heavens and the new earth. Christ is acknowledged as the full deity of Peter, or by Peter, to counteract the heresy of the false teachers who denied that Jesus was Lord, as we saw there in chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were false prophets who among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring themselves to swift destruction. So what kind of lessons can we as Christians learn from this section of scripture? Notice, uh, first of all, we must learn to rest. Rest in the purposes of God. By faith, for this attitude will speak louder than the words. Than words to a Christ-rejecting world that God uh, is in control of history. You believe it? God's in control of history. You say, boy, it sure looks like the rats are winning. They're not. Secondly, God is presently and actively at work in this world, saving men and women, boys and girls, and it's our task to spread the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere, trusting God to save souls. And then we must, thirdly, guard be on guard for false teachers, lest we fall from the faith and and dishonor Christ, who we claim to represent on this earth. There are people who claim to be Christians, but they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they'll bite into hook, line, and sinker some of these false teachers and they'll, they'll not represent the Lord or they'll dishonor his name. Fourthly, we must continue to grow in both knowledge and grace for knowledge provides the foundation for growth and grace the environment for growth. You know, a plant that's not growing is either sick or dead. Now some of you are gardeners some of you have houseplants uh and you know what's going on with your plant sometimes well that looks pretty sick doesn't it well is it sick or is it dead and a professing christian is not growing who's not growing spiritually is either a christian who is sick or 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 spurious who's never been born again they're they're putting on a front they're saying they're a christian but they're really never trusted Christ. And then the fifth lesson, I believe, Christ is Lord and he is God. He is full deity, and this doctrine makes one of the main differences between true Christians and false Christians. The Roman governor, Finney, about A.D. 112, said that Christians sing a hymn to Christ as God. Well, Almost every cult in this world denies that Jesus is God. So, I trust everyone here tonight knows the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And as you know Him, then be following these commands to be restful, to be hopeful, to be watchful, to be fruitful. I believe that would be Peter's message to us uh, even tonight. Let's pray.